Well, good morning, West Heights. In case we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here at West Heights Community Church. And whether you are joining us here in person or you're joining us online, it is just a delight to be able to be together and to worship together this morning. Um, growing up, I, I grew up in a, in a family that regularly attended church. We'd say it's a Christian home. It always sounds weird to me. My house wasn't Christian, but my family was. Um, that's a bad joke. Okay, sorry. Uh, I grew up in a, in a home where we were taught about prayer, and we practiced prayer together regularly, where we prayed at mealtimes, we prayed before bed, and, and my parents made sure that my siblings and I knew that we could pray on our own. That was something that we could do. And so one night, when I was about seven years old, I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this prayer thing a try, and I'm going to pray for the thing that my little seven-year-old heart wanted the most, and so I prayed super earnestly for a machine that would make cheeseburgers that was right beside my bed. And wouldn't you know it, despite praying all week for that cheeseburger machine, no cheeseburger machine. Now, adult me is pretty glad that God did not decide to grant me that hamburger machine, but it's true. You know, that's how I, you know, I was thinking, you ask God, this is how it works, right? When we pray, we ask God for stuff, God gives me the stuff I want. That was my seven-year-old understanding of, of prayer, and it, it didn't work out. Now, for many of us, as we think about our own approach to prayer, we have much better prayer requests than seven-year-old me. At least I hope you do. Um, but we still might have this same sort of transactional approach to how we think about prayer. And that's something that we carry with us as we reflect, as we practice prayer. We bring this sort of like, if I ask God this, then I shouldn't I get it sort of idea of what prayer should look like for us. And so when our prayers go unanswered, we can find ourselves feeling rather frustrated and saying, well, what's the point of this whole prayer thing anyways? This morning, I want to just kind of plant this question in our minds. What if there's more to prayer than just getting something? What if there's more to prayer than just getting something? Think about it this way. Our, our closest and our best relationships are not transactional, are they? You know, sure, from time to time, somebody might do something for us in response to a request that we make, but if we really think about those closest and those best relationships that we have, you know, getting something is actually a small part of what that relationship looks like. Rather, these relationships are, 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 are determined, are, are shaped, defined by things like love and familiarity, a sense of somebody being with us and being for us in life. And that's what a real relationship is. And you know what, I think that this is what Jesus has in mind as he teaches his disciples about what it means to pray. See, for Jesus, prayer is ultimately an expression of our relationship with God, and that might include asking God to grant us some of the desires of our hearts, but that is actually only a small part of what this whole prayer thing is. Now, when we talk about prayer, we might think, well, a conversation about prayer is really for religious people, but that's just not the case. Because in a, in a study from the U.S. from this last year, uh, as many as 85% of people engage in spiritual practices, and that's almost regardless of whether they are, uh, would, would consider themselves to be religious folks. Um, and the most common of these spiritual practices is prayer. Something like 65% of these spiritual practices, when people say, you know, do you practice spirituality? They say, yes, but 65% of the time they're referring to prayer. And actually the next largest uh, thing that they're referring to is meditation. And regard, this is regardless of whether people consider themselves particularly religious or not. And it kind of points out something that, you know, regardless of our, our connection to religion per se, that we crave spiritual connections. 
In fact, this study talked about how, uh, you know, there were people who reported back, well, you know, what did we get out of prayer? Well, we feel less anxious, and we actually feel like we're becoming better versions of, versions of ourselves. And so all this is to say is that prayer is something that many of us are interested in, even if we aren't sure exactly what it does. You know, as we begin this new year, many of us are thinking about how we can become better versions of ourselves. And a connection to the divine or a connection to God might be a part of that. And so over the next few weeks, we are going to be looking at how Jesus teaches us to pray as we look at the Lord's Prayer. Now, Jesus lived in a society where, where people prayed. You know, the Jewish people prayed, the Gentiles or the pagans or the non-Jewish people, they prayed. In fact, the way that Jesus talks about prayer, it is just assumed that people pray. And given what we just talked about, about the spirituality that exists in our society today too, I think that this assumption uh, would be, continue to be a part of our lived reality, that people pray. And so Jesus, as he begins talking about prayer, he, he starts by, uh, by addressing two approaches to prayer that in his mind, and he's Jesus, says, isn't getting you anywhere. First thing he does is he challenges the part of us that is tempted to focus on uh, what other people think about us and our practices of spirituality. You know, the part of us that focuses on other people's perceptions of, of how we live out our, our faith or how we, good we pray, perhaps. And so referencing the practice of some Jewish folks, Jesus says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know, what Jesus says about praying in secret here reminds us that prayer is ultimately about a relationship that we have with God. And, and it, it has little to do, if anything, to do with the perceptions that other people have of our spirituality. And so he's saying, as you pray, this is a, a relational thing. This is between you and God. It doesn't really matter what the people beside you think. The second thing he does is he challenges the part of us that sometimes just goes through the motion. And thinking that, you know, if we just do this, if we just say the right words in the right order, then that's enough. And so referring to the practices of the Gentiles or the non-Jews, Jesus says, And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You know, prayer in the non-Jewish world was often characterized by incantations and formulaic sayings, making it so the, the words that you said mattered more than the, than the heart of the worshiper. But Jesus says, that's not what God wants. God doesn't care if you get the words in the right order or you say the right things. He really is concerned about what's going on, that we are making that relational connection to Him. And so pivoting from these misconceptions, Jesus says, okay, folks, let me show you how to pray. And he teaches whoever, whoever will listen to him what we know as the Lord's Prayer, which is really a model that will help us discover the benefits of prayer for our lives. And so this morning, the big idea that we're exploring as we just start into this series is that prayer connects us to God and gives life perspective. Prayer connects us to God and gives life perspective. And to help us with this, we're just going to look at the opening line from the Lord's Prayer that says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that's going to be our focus this morning, but, the, but uh, before we dig into it, let's read the whole Lord's Prayer so we get this piece in its context this morning. So Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, over the next five weeks, we're going to read that exact same passage every Sunday. And we're actually even going to be saying it together at the end of our times. And my hope is that as we hear it, as we, we, we have opportunity to reflect on it, and each week something different will stick out to us that will inform how we engage this practice of prayer. But this morning, we're going to look at that first line. Now, before we get into it, I, I have another story to tell, because uh, back this fall, I was writing an email to one of Silas's teachers uh, about some schoolwork that he had missed. And before I hit send on the email, I showed it to Michelle, and I said, hey, did I, did I capture everything we talked about, it, talked about here? And she read it over, and she said, you, you can't send this. I said, why? She said, it sounds super formal. And she was right, because as I read it again, I read it, and I, it sounded like I was writing to somebody I'd never met before on behalf of some unknown organization. It sounded like this. To who it may concern, we will endeavor to have Silas complete his homework in a timely manner. Who writes like that? People who don't know anybody, don't know the person they're writing to. That's who, right? You know, for some of us, this kind of reflects our, our approach to prayer. You know, our prayers feel formal and stiff. We're, we're afraid of getting it wrong. We're afraid of saying the wrong thing. We're afraid of not knowing what to say. But in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us that prayer is an expression of the love that God has for us. Jesus says, try starting it like this. Our Father in heaven. And he says this because this statement sets the tone for everything else that he's going to say about prayer. See, when we are praying, we are praying to the God who loves us, the God who wants to connect with us, the God who wants our relationship with him to be characterized by familiarity and warmth. Now, before we get a whole lot further, I think it's worth noting that Jesus doesn't teach us to pray, my Father. And that simple observation, I think, reminds us that we don't pray in isolation and that our spirituality is not an individualistic thing. And this is important because there are going to be times when we feel like we're all alone in our hurts, we're all alone with our longings, we're all alone in our, in our needs, but the reality is that we're not. That there are others like us, even just take a look around you this morning, there are others like us who, have, who are coming to God with, the, with hurts and longings and needs, and together we're able to call God our Father, and we are joined together in that. Now, to help us see God's love for us, Jesus address, uh, teaches us to address God using this term, Father. In the original language, this term is Abba, which is a term that carries this idea of warmth and familiarity and intimacy. It, it speaks of, of a child who feels comfortable and secure in the arms of their father. For us in English, the term dad would actually be the closest to what is meant by the word Abba, and it's a term of endearment that even as adults we continue to use in reference to our earthly fathers who we have a positive connection with, isn't it? And so in teaching us to address God in this way, Jesus is teaching us what God is like and, and how God sees us. And this is really important because often our view of God is that he's this far-off, uncaring, perhaps withholding being who could care less of us. That's often the image of God that we have in our minds. But by teaching us to address God as Father, we are invited to see God differently. To see, first and foremost, his love for us. And that he wants to know us. And he wants us to get to know him. 
and that within this relationship is the very real potential for us to experience love and nurture the things that our soul needs at the deepest of levels. And to take it even further by emphasizing that our Father is in heaven, Jesus is reminding us that we have this special connection to the transcendent, all-powerful God of the universe, that, that we have a relationship with him. And that's important. Now, as an aside, I want to acknowledge that for some of us, we struggle with the image of God as Father. And we struggle because our experience with our earthly fathers has not been positive. Some of them have been withholding, some of them have been absent, some of them have been abusive. And as a result, we really struggle with the idea of God as Father, and I think it's important for us to name that reality, for us to be able to kind of work through that. You know, I don't think Jesus' point here is to tell us that God is like our earthly fathers. If anything, by referring to God as our Father, there's a critique here of our earthly fathers when they have come up, come up short. And not only that, but while Scripture does refer to God as Father the majority of time, the majority of the time, we would be negligent if we didn't notice that Scripture also does, also uses motherly terminology to describe God at points. And so, as we get back to the Lord's Prayer, the point that Jesus is making is about really helping us find language that can help us connect with the God who loves us, the God who cares for us, the God who wants to nurture us, the God who wants us wants us to know Him at the deepest of levels. And that right there is the starting point that should shape how we engage this prayer thing. Over the last couple of years, I have developed. I was going to say a Christmas tradition, but I think tradition's a bit strong. A habit, maybe, is a better way of putting it, where I read a really crappy paperback novel between Christmas and New Year's. And when I tell people this, they look at me with, with judgment in their eyes, um, and they say, you know that there are so much better things that you could read. And I know, I know, but I like my crappy paperback novel because it's a page-turner. It keeps me going. It, it helps me relax in, that, in, in, in some downtime. And one of the things I love about these cheap mystery novels is, is that there's always a sense in these stories that I read, because they're predictable in some ways, that there is going to be a twist that comes that, helps me re, that, that makes me have to rethink the story that I thought I knew with a whole new piece of information. You know, as Jesus teaches us about prayer, there's not exactly an unexpected twist thrown in, but he does remind us of something that should cause us to look at our story that cause us to look at life from a different perspective, that cause us to look at things differently than perhaps we were before. See, Jesus teaches us how prayer can give us, a pers- can give us perspective, can give us a perspective that helps us see ourselves or our, our world and our relationships in a whole new way that perhaps we weren't thinking about it before, that prayer can reshape how we think and we interact with life itself. You know, so much of our world is focused on us, Focused on our wants and our needs, our problems, our successes, our failures. And you know what? That's, understand, that, that's understandable. As Jesus talks about prayer, there is going to be opportunities for us to bring all of this to him in prayer. But before we get there, Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Other translations put it this way. May your name be kept holy or help us to honor your name. Or help us to uphold, the, or, or uh, may your, your, uphold the holiness of your name. And in teaching us to pray this way, Jesus is teaching something that will help us put all of life in perspective. It will help put everything in proper perspective. 
And that perspective comes as we learn to acknowledge God's holiness, which is essentially what we do when we worship. That was a part of what made our singing this morning so great, is we were acknowledging who God is and what God is about, and that he is transcendent, and that we are here putting ourselves before him, saying, God, we need you. See, what Jesus knows is that when we take time to recognize, that, recognize God for who he is, that our perspective changes, and it changes for the better. You know, when we take the time to recognize God's role in our world or in our lives, when we take the time to acknowledge that he is greater than what we could comprehend, when we take the time to thank him for bringing, the good things, bringing good things into our lives, when we do this, something inside of us changes, something inside of us shifts. And we find ourselves giving ourselves to him. We find ourselves submitting to him and giving him the honor that rightfully belongs to him as God. And that's what worship is. Now, are we supposed to do this because God is insecure and he needs our words of affirmation? No. We are supposed to do this because we need it. When we make the time to worship, it's an act of disruption that unseats us from being at the center of our lives and makes space for God. And that's a good thing. And it's a good thing because I don't know about you, but I struggle not to make myself the center of my life. I know I shouldn't do it, but I do. Here's the thing. I'm obsessed with myself. And you're obsessed with yourself too. It's true. We're obsessed with ourselves. And so often, the focus of my attention, my emotions, my desires, and my energy, it's all on me. It's on my wants, on my needs, on my struggles. In fact, it doesn't take much for me to start to feel like the world ought to revolve around me. Again, the logical part of our brain says, that's silliness. But there's something inside of us that can default to this, especially when the world feels like it's starting to spin out of control. And this self-centeredness can show up in our relationships as we give unsolicited advice and suggestions. You know, many of us have some really great ideas for how other people ought to be living their lives, don't we? But here's the thing. If we aren't careful, sometimes our desire to help people is really about us. And when our motivation is wrong, resentment and bitterness can follow. Or how about all those bad news stories that, that fill our news feeds every, every day? You know? what about how, how do we process those things? Now, don't get me wrong. We need to be aware that things that are going on in our world, that it's bad to be ignorant. It's not a good thing to be ignorant. But at the same time, we also need to recognize that we're in a time of information overload. We have more information at our fingertips than anybody has ever had. And that is a lot to handle. You know, when we are self-obsessed, these stories can overwhelm us because we realize, we come face to face with the fact that we are helpless to, to fix whatever is happening in our world. And that can lead us to spiraling, can't it? Jesus knows all this. He knows that it's easy to become self-obsessed and how our self-obsession, it, it, it never results in good things. And so in teaching us to pray these words, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, he's teaching us to take a moment, maybe more, and to turn our attention off of ourselves and to be looking to our loving heavenly Father and to see that despite the fact that things may feel out of control to us, that he's still God and he is not overwhelmed. And so what does this mean? Well, it means that we look to include worship in how we pray. 
Now, what we're not talking about is just listing a, a whole bunch of superlatives about God. You know, God, you are awesome. God, you are amazing. You're transcendent, loving, and merciful. You know, it is good as we pray to be able to uh, acknowledge what makes God God, but we need to be careful that we don't slip into that category of babbling pagans that Jesus warns us that we shouldn't be like. Instead, how about trying to be specific and naming the ways that we have witnessed and experienced God's greatness in our lives. Perhaps, perhaps another way of thinking about this is simply a, what we might call thankfulness exercise, where we give God credit. And this might take a bit, and let's say in some seasons of time, this might feel really hard. It might require a whole lot of effort. We might have to start really small by saying, thank you, God, for grass, because we're having trouble coming up with something bigger than that. But the reason why we do this is because this practice will give us a different perspective that will actually help us see how our loving Heavenly Father is present with us in our lives, which will in turn will help us have a different perspective on, on our, ourselves, on our experiences, and that perspective is going to shape how we go to God in prayer. You know, indeed, I think it's interesting that as Jesus teaches us to pray, there's a reason why we don't get to ask for stuff until midway through this prayer. Because we need to work our way through having our perspective changed. And it starts with saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, as we look at the Lord's Prayer over the next couple weeks, we need to remember that being able to recite this prayer is not the point. This is not a magical incantation to get our way or to make us spiritually successful. Rather, this is a lesson that Jesus taught his followers. Jesus teaches us about how we can engage in this relational prayer thing with God. And over the course of the past year, I have found myself praying the Lord's Prayer, especially in seasons when I have found prayer hard, when I haven't been able to figure out where do we even start. Reciting the Lord's Prayer has been helpful. And so as we work through this series, I'm going to be encouraging us to be using the Lord's Prayer in our daily lives. And to help with this, um, as you leave this morning, the ushers are going to give you just a, we we made up a really quick and easy bookmark here with the Lord's Prayer on it. Uh, We're going to hand this out to you. If you didn't get one there, we'll have them at the Welcome Center in in the coming weeks. And uh, the idea here is that we would have this in front of us and perhaps daily we'll, we'll sit with it and we'll recite it. And my invitation for us to recite it slowly at first thinking about it, and then work our way back and praying it in our own words. And as we work through this series, we're going to be modeling this together. And and this morning, we're going to start by, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together, and then I'm going to move into a time of prayer. And as I move into that time of prayer, the worship team can come up. But for now, please, please join me in saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, today we come to prayer grateful that you love us. God, we know that we aren't perfect. And to be honest, it blows my mind that you as the creator want to know us and know us like you do. You knew us before we were born. You knew the numbers of hairs on our heads. You know our innermost thoughts. And you love us and you invite us to call you dad. 
As we pray, we want to say thank you for your love and for your care for us. Thank you for the people that you've put in our lives who make life good. Thank you for family and for friends. Thank you for the skills and abilities that you've given us, that, the things that make us us. Thank you for the beauty of freshly fallen snow. Thank you for the fires that warm us up. Thank you for all the good things that you make possible. Thank you for being you. Lord, as we pray, we have so many ideas about what you need to do to fix our lives in this world. Indeed, we confess that sometimes we think that we could do a better job than you. But this morning, we want to pause and acknowledge that your heart is broken too and that we don't have to carry the burden for our world on our own. God, because we believe that your ways are best, we are asking that the, ways, that the way things are in your presence would become a part of our lives here and now. And Lord, maybe that starts with us. Help us to be a part of your kingdom coming to earth. Heavenly Father, there are things that we will need this week. We pray particularly for those resuming school and for those for whom school has been a struggle, we are especially mindful. Lord, for some of us, we would like this new year to be different than last year. And so, God, we are looking for you and asking for your help. For others of us, Lord, this week we'll face other challenges. Grant us the wisdom, the strength, and the creativity that we need for the challenges that lay before us. Heavenly Father, we know that we're not perfect. In fact, there have been times this week, maybe even today, when we've intentionally done things that we know we shouldn't have done. Lord, please forgive us and help us to overcome our sinful habits. As we seek your forgiveness, help us to likewise forgive others who have wronged us. Heavenly Father, daily we are surrounded by influences that suggest ways of thinking and being that are not honoring to our relationship with you and would not be honoring to our relationship with others. We know that these things don't come from you, and so we ask that you would help us. Protect our minds and our hearts. Help us to focus on what is right. Lord, we thank you for our time together this morning. Would you help us to be mindful that you are indeed our loving Heavenly Father. And Lord, would you give us eyes to see you in the week that is ahead. Amen.